0: the totally super podcast is coming to geeks radio justin and arthur review every superhero movie ever made search for totally super podcast on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts totally super podcast 2017 Warning the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. Welcome to Pop Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur and today today we finish reviewing Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel okay um, we, we le-
1: think we finished reviewing it for all yeah. we know like we thought we were going to be finished reviewing it like four episodes ago so
0: yeah so I mean we'll, we'll probably do an, an overview afterward mm-hmm. but for today this is the last uh sort of this is the end of the walkthrough at the very yeah. least uh of Buffy and Angel um uh, this is uh, coming out in October of 2003. Um, for the first time, Buffy's off the air, and Angel is by its lonesome uh, mm-hmm. on the air. It gets its own chance to uh, to sink or swim on its own. And swim, it does. It gets incredibly high ratings, the highest ratings on the WB. I'm sure it's going to do really well. Totally. Um, <clears throat> um uh also uh benefiting from the addition of uh spike from buffy the vampire slayer who Mm -hmm. uh who died incredibly dramatically at the end of buffy and had that completely undermined by his return here but hey money is money yeah um and
1: let's be honest it is one of those things i mean there's part of me that's i I guess it made sense to kill him off at the end of buffy even though they knew he was going to be coming back onto angel and I really, I can't argue with it because it's Spike. We always love Spike. It's like.
0: Yeah, but maybe you didn't have to, you know, make it the big dramatic centerpiece of that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like in Joss world, it's supposed to be that when you're dead, you stay dead. Yeah. That's sort of the thing. That's. Well, like-
1: especially because with <laughs> at the end of that Buffy thing was just like, oh, we're going to spend four minutes on Spike's noble sacrifice. And oh, how awesome it is. And meanwhile, oh, yeah, we just chopped down you into. It. Anyway, what else yep. is next?
0: Uh, I know, but you know Anya's death bothers me more. Anya's oh, death is one of the ones that bothers completely. me the
1: most. Oh, it's the most creepy day. Yeah, that's whoa.
0: It just like it happens, boom, mm-hmm. it happens. There's not even a chance to mourn. There's just like it's war, and somebody gets cut down. Yeah, it's it's not anyway. Yeah. Um. Uh. Starting with episode one conviction, Angel and the group are still getting used to their ownership of Wolfram and Hart when one of their clients threatens to kill all of LA if they cannot get him acquitted in court. Meanwhile, the senior partner's liaison, Eve, introduces herself. Harmony becomes Angel's secretary. The senior partner's grant gun new talents, and a mysterious envelope has been delivered. Um, mm-hmm. It's a paradigm shift, is it not? Like from Wait, what, where and Angel was they, before? And-
1: And they announce it so wonderfully by having Angel walking down an alley in pretty much the exact same way that he did episode one, season one, ready to save a girl. And then he saves the girl just like he did in episode one, season one. But then I love the fact that all these lawyers just come out, like emerge from the shadows and like have non-disclosure agreements for the girl to sign and all these things like that. And Angel just stands around looking befuddled. It's a brilliant way of showing what happens when essentially a a small but scrappy like do-gooder like even in the real world it's what happens when a small but scrappy do-gooder charity which is used to being able to totally work on its own suddenly gets the you know the leverage of serious power behind it but that comes with just a ton of bureaucracy
0: well and the bureaucracy is even felt in the set like you go to the set and this is not the Hyperion hotel or angels. Like it's, it's, it's large. It's sprawling. Everybody kind of has a thing that they do. The opening Mm -hmm. credits has, has where angel used to burst through a door. He's now closing a file. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's (laughs) like, it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, in that, in that it's, if, if a show ever did a paradigm shift from where it started, right. If you imagine where angel started and where angel was at the end of last episode, this is mm-hmm. so different.
1: It's totally different.
0: It's the show feels different. But it feels wait, like wait, a different show. What's
1: great, though, is because it's, it's, you know, it's a, uh, it does give the show a much-needed jolt. Um, by changing the paradigm, it allows us to take these characters that we know and see them all in a fresh light. Uh, it was very good. I, think, I thought it was a very good move overall for them to do this.
0: I think it also galvanizes everybody's role. Like Gunn was the muscle, but not the strongest physical guy in the group. But now Gunn has a thing to do that Mm -hmm. is specific to him. They give him the super lawyer powers. Um, In a
1: sense, he is still the muscle. He just uses the muscle in a different way.
0: Yeah, he's 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 the he is there. He's become sort of the 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 brain fast talker brain whereas there there's the giles they very very much uh wesley's allowed to become the giles Mm -hmm. um uh and at the same time you know fred has a role she's everybody sort like maybe i like it so much because it reminds me of deep space nine um yeah
1: although what was lauren's role again there was always a sense of lauren sort of comes to
0: yeah lauren well i feel like lauren was like julie your cruise director like she was yeah. the one, like kind of schmoozing, get along with everybody, um, yeah. you know, ma- making the place go. May- maybe like the office manager or like HR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, even the introduction of Harmony is uh, is perfect. Harmony is oh, ab-
1: wonderful. As the absolutely
0: secretary. belongs here. She belongs here. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people are cold on Eve. A lot of people don't like Eve. What is uh, your feeling about Eve?
1: Uh, she's not the greatest, um, she's not the worst either, I mean, I loved the, I loved her introduction where she's like, hi, I'm Eve, and just so that we can get the metaphor out of the way, she tosses Angel and apple, like, that's kinda clever, um, yeah. the, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, her role becomes a lot more interesting as the season progresses, um, but, uh. I mean, it yeah, makes I sense mean, she... to me
0: that the senior partners would send someone who looks like a cute, vulnerable girl mm-hmm. to deal with Angel because that's yeah. who they think Angel's going to be kinder to than than a vixen like Lila or a bad boy like uh, a bad boy like Lindsay. Yeah, you know, I never this really, is...
1: I never really hated on Eve, but at the same time, she didn't exactly blow me away either.
0: Yeah. Um. So so immediately, what I like about this is that everybody's roles are so confidently stated. And that's mm-hmm. what I really, really, really appreciate what this show does is everybody has, has very clear things to do uh, within, not only within the company of Wolfram and Hart, but within the, the structure of the show, it yeah. suddenly feels like this is a show that is a well-oiled machine. And it's I never felt that way. I was just that, that, that
1: phrase. Before. Yeah. I'm mean, with the party. Everyone has their sense of what to do in the group. And that is, for any kind of group dynamic show, that sort of thing is so important. Um, to you know what we were talking about with poor Cordy and how she always seemed as sort of a softly defined character. Um, she never her role was never really set. Um, even even within the past couple seasons, it was kind of understood that Wes and Fred were the brains and uh, Gun could be the muscle, but. You know, Cordy was just sort of there and did stuff, but not in a clear, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is the issue. We go to this person on the team because they're the specialist.
0: Or even worse, Cordy was the specialist for whatever she needed to be the specialist in that week. She was your ah, Hollywood yes. contact. Or she was the one who's interested in the money. Or she's got the advertising ideas. Or she's the heart of the team. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like she was not yeah. consistent for her. This is like, this feels like, this feels like this is like season three of Angel in Wolfram & Hart. Like it's just immediately out out of the gate already seems like it's a super well-oiled machine the way the show is made. Mm-hmm. Um I am so happy to see this change. Um uh I didn't dislike Angel before but hot damn is it yeah. is it different and it better crackles. now. Um good word. Yeah, it's almost like a David E. Kelly show, isn't it? Like it's it's just like oh, it's Oh yeah, it's fast. Um, episode two. Uh, it's of course the end of episode one. There's an amulet, and in the amulet is uh, is Spike's ghost, and uh, and so now Spike's ghost is there. Um, I like Spike being a ghost for like an episode, and then I was done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I love love the interjection of Spike's attitude into this show.
1: Well, because Spike is he is somebody that has known Angel for it, what it essentially is. Is, uh, you know how they always say that, Up uh, oh, just a second, my dog is barking something.
0: Hi, here. dog! Hey, internet, say hi, to There's a dog.
1: Kaylee, it's just another dog. Let it go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh,
1: hopefully that doesn't come through, come through too strongly. <laughs> hey, um, hey,
0: this is the real world, guys. You're just going yeah, to have to deal. Because
1: once she starts, she does not stop. Um, <laughs> the, uh... Uh, what was I thinking? Um, Spike. Oh yeah. Well, you know. So when you they they say that sometimes you don't uh, really get a chance to change who you are until you change your location because in your old lo- like in a previous location, like say your high school or uh, you know or even the the city where you grew up in, there are certain patterns of how people see you as well as how you see yourself. But once you move and you're free of all of those patterns, suddenly all of the things that you learned during that time you can put to good use. Like for me, I went through a huge jump in my own growth when I left D.C. and went to Pennsylvania uh, because suddenly I was surrounded by people who didn't know me before, so I was able to just sort of redefine my identity. Angel has done that. He has redefined his identity in L.A. and done it in a good way. He has this thing, people who know him and expect certain things from him, and then comes his old college buddy uh, who knows every weakness of his and remembers every old pattern and just uh has this ability to bring it all out in him and it it is i mean i feel for angel uh because it is maddening but it is hysterical (laughs) and so much fun to watch
0: spike is so frustrating to Mm -hmm. angel a constant foil up into the very last episode of this season and it's great for spike because we have been waiting for spike to go somewhere where he is liked um so we've watched like you know we talked about in the buffy podcast that spike's coolest moment is the moment that he arrives in sunnydale he is never cooler than the first scene that he's in and it's from that Mm -hmm. moment where he's at the high point where they continually just cut him down 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 down, to the point where he's at the bottom and Mm -hmm. then the last season of buffy he works his way back up into being a hero but he's never he's he never gets the swagger back yeah, he gets to bring the old swagger with him, where everybody all automatically trusts him to be a hero. There is no question in this season about whether mm-hmm. or not Spike's a hero.
1: Yeah, very much. Spike's
0: so. everybody yeah. trusts him. Everybody mm-hmm. like
1: not. And I love every- Everyone is like, oh wow, Spike is so cool. Look at all this. And Angel's like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> no, because the thing is, I get because Angel remembers how Spike was before. Um, so he remembers all of these old patterns of behavior for Spike, but nobody has met Spike before. So all they know is the new Spike. So yeah. essentially, Spike is revealing the old Angel while getting to reveal in his new Spike.
0: Yeah, no, And it's it's the worst for Angel. And I love it, except that, that you really get the sense that these two have an affection for each other, which I mm-hmm. never saw before.
1: Oh, it's I've a never... tremendous... I mean, the entire season is one long rivalry buddy cop film.
0: I love it. I love it. It's such a great like, again, I wouldn't take him out of Buffy to put him into Angel because he was the heart and soul of Buffy a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've removed the a lot of the angst from Spike. And now Spike is just fun. Yeah. Spike has not been fun for a while
1: since like Uh, season two. Yeah, uh, this
0: is just great. So, uh, episode two just rewards Spike's essence coalesces out of the amulet in the mysterious envelope, but he is now incorporeal. Uh, in fact, he is a ghost. For some reason, Spike is linked to Wolfram and Hart and cannot leave L.A. As the gang struggles with this new development, Angel tries to put a dangerous necromancer Hainsley out of business. Unfortunately, Hainsley is very powerful, and he offers Spike a chance to be made flesh again in Angel's body. Do, do, do. I mean, again feels very, very much like um feels very, very much like we're back to sort of the episode of the week, um mm-hmm. where uh, with the underlying story being told underneath. Again Yeah, I'll be honest, I remember very few of the one shots from this season. I remember um, the stuff happening with, underneath. You know, with
1: the with the one notable exception of possibly the greatest one shot in the entirety of Angel. But um but, uh, oh, there's a
0: few. There's a few that, that, that I think will will, uh, will jog your memory, because there are some things in, in the season that I love. Um, we'll just go right ahead uh, to Unleashed uh, from October 15, 2003. Angel helps a newly infected werewolf named Nina, who is being hunted by a mysterious and wealthy organization. Nina's offered shelter at Wolfram and Hart, but when it turns out the hunters have a mole in the company, Nina's sanctuary may be a trap. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's talk about Nina, because Nina's offered as a possible love interest for Angel. I think by if there had been a season six, she would have been a main character. Agree?
1: I think so. Yeah, um, I think Nina was a cool addition. Um, and I thought it was summed up very well when Angel is talking to Wesley about uh, about how he's like, I can't be in a relationship, you know, moment of perfect happiness. I become Angelus. And Wesley is like, do you know how many completely successful relationships there are out there that never have a perfect moment in them?
0: Yeah, Like, no, there's a certain I mean,
1: sense of, uh, I mean, and it kind of, once again, Buffy was the way we approach love in high school. And yes, Angel was, you know, 300 years old, even, uh, or however many years old. Yeah, but um, that shows in Buffy's
0: POV. That show yeah, is all, is, mm-hmm. is, is the entire show is existing through her. There's so, a certain
1: sense of Wesley yeah. saying, Angel, get over yourself and just have a regular yeah. relationship like the rest of us. Yeah, well, well not and, Wesley, but you
0: know. well, and I love I I, I I, don't love I like Nina and I like mm-hmm. the introduction of Nina and I feel like it's something we missed with Oz a little bit in that Oz's werewolf story um, never had him really struggling with being mm-hmm. a werewolf until like the very end of it. It was
1: um, like the werewolf like for Oz. It was, oh, the werewolf's never a problem until it becomes a problem, in which case I must go.
0: Yeah, and then he's off and, the show. And that's just a facet of Oz that Oz mm-hmm. is so chill with everything. It would have been fun to watch somebody go through that. That would have yeah. been, you could have gotten a couple seasons out of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we won't get that, but, um, uh, so I like the introduction of Nina. Nina's fun. Um, Hellbound, after a series of horrific visions, Spike realizes that he's being pulled away from the material world and into hell. Fred tries frantically to find a way to save him, but soon realizes there's an outside. Uh, sorry, soon realizes that there is an outside force that is causing Spike's dimensional shifts, an entity resi- residing in Wolfram and Heart itself.
1: Is this the Reaper? Yes. Yes. I, all I remember with the. So, my thoughts with this episode were I remember it's like I remember that uh, since I was watching this uh as it came out, um, you know, every week. Uh I had this was not the DVDs. I was actually watching it live, so to speak. Um, and the previews for this episode, like the, you know, the next time on Angel sort of thing, looked absolutely terrifying. Like they they straight up were like, we are going to make a horror film um sort of thing. And in many ways they largely did. Uh, there were some really cool, just really, really creepy, uh, scenes. I think I remember one with like Spike somehow being forced to cut off his own fingers or something like that. Like, um, but, uh, you know, um, critically the, you know, the internets, uh, seem to waffle on whether or not the Reaper was a cool villain or not. Um, like, I remember there was one Television Without Pity article that just started. It said, don't fear the Reaper. No, no, no really don't. He's kind of lame. Um, but I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, I thought it was neat because so far for two episodes, we've seen Spike just being total happy-go-lucky, even as a ghost. And it's neat to suddenly put him in a situation where he's terrified. The
0: uh, The other thing I enjoy about this episode is... Um, is- the fact that uh it is the fact that this is the first time that the Shanshu prophecy is revisited with the presence of spike because they talk about how it oh, speaks of right. the they they talk about how it speaks of the vampire with the soul well of course spike is another vampire with a soul and it mm-hmm. puts everything in question as to what that can be i also love that it it um that it discusses the difference between Angel's reaction to having a soul and Spike's reaction to having a soul. Um, Go into that the, a bit. Well, in that Angel, you know, in, in, I think it's this episode where they where they speak about how Angel, you know, spent hundreds of years lamenting and making up for the things that he did. And I think he kind of throws it at, at Spike that, Spike, you spent like a month in a basement. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's... The, um, so i i enjoy uh i enjoy that the introduction of Spike to the Shanshu pro- prophecy changes um everything really for what it could mean it, it means that Angel doesn't necessarily have to do what he has considered himself to having to do this mm-hmm. entire
1: time. Now the uh, the interesting a th- couple of thoughts on that. Uh, I think you're right there. Um There's a huge difference in how Spike and Angel react to the soul thing and and the guilt that comes with it. And I wonder if maybe Spike would never admit to this, but in a way, Spike had um, Angel... Because Angel happened first, Spike benefited from watching what happened to Angel. Um, So like either consciously or subconsciously, Spike has already learned what is healthy guilt and what is unhealthy guilt. Spike um, because- has also,
0: without his soul, been inching toward the light, mm-hmm. and cho- and chose the soul on his own. Was was emotionally ready to accept it. That's the other thing. It's oh, that's Angel- he
1: wasn't. It wasn't thrust upon him. It yeah. was. It was more of a gradual growth process.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and Spike was a romantic, soft hearted vampire, if ever there was one. Mm-hmm. From even though he was a bad guy, he you know he turned out he was always a kind of a poet well you know william the bloody being the guy who wrote bloody terrible poetry Mm -hmm. um the uh
1: (laughs) the other thing the shansu prophecy is interesting because i know i know why they introduced it at the end of season one sort of this sense of like oh look here's a potential arc for the series sort of thing um but by season two what they've really done is they've introduced a new, better theme for the series, uh, which they certainly deal with in season five, which is that the fight doesn't stop. The fight goes on. It's about whether you choose today to fight. Um, and the Shansu prophecy, which is that, oh, after you've completed your, after you've completed your, um, you know, your after heavenly the angel- sent task, after the after apocalypse. The an-
0: after the angel with a soul. Mm-hmm. completes that, because the the yeah. you is what's in question.
1: Yeah, but the th- but the point is, is there's this sense of, okay, after this person does this, they get their reward, and then it's implied, they just, you know, it's sort of like then the fight will be done for them. So the Shansu prophecy actually flies in the face of the theme of the show, regardless of whether it's meant to go for Spike or for Angel. Um, which is that the theme of the show is that, no, this doesn't stop. So you need to You know, it's about who you are in the midst of the fight.
0: What's fascinating to me is that Joss Whedon in Avengers Age of Ultron wrote the thesis for Tony Stark when he says, isn't that why we fight so we don't have to fight? Mm. It's really interesting that the same man would write these two different ideas on why we fight. Mm hmm it's just yeah. interesting that you know anyway moving on uh the uh the cautionary tale of numero cinco um it's the you know it's it's the mexican wrestlers
1: oh yeah wow this is vague but
0: um can i can i be th- i don't like this and it's i maybe it's cuz it's me but i i don't i've never really liked the whole Mexican wrestler thing that with, you know, they, I, I understand some people do. I understand it's a big thing. It's not my thing. Um, uh, Jeffrey Bell, uh, who wrote um, who wrote a lot of X-Files and wrote this script, um, said to Joss Whedon that this is what you wanted to do. He always, always, always wanted to do one of these like Mexican wrestler things. It feels very much shoved into this show. It feels like someone wanted to do an episode about Mexican wrestlers, so let's do it this way. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't it it feels it feels wrong for this show. Do you agree?
1: Um I honestly I'll have to be honest, I don't remember this episode well enough to uh to comment on it. All right. Yeah, I I, I wish I could help you there, man, but I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to. uh, Yeah, I. um, Yeah, I got nothing.
0: Good. Okay, moving on. Um, I. This is uh b- 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 eleven twelve of two thousand three lineage. Cyborg assassins attack the offices of Wolverman Hart for a magical device that will give them control over Angel. Wesley is surprised by the arrival of his strange father, who has come to evaluate Wesley for possible reacceptance into the Watchers Council. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Maybe it's because of season four of Buffy, but like. And it might be because of of the uh, the now no longer existing Dusted podcast um, that uh, that we used to. Hopefully, some of those listeners are listening to us now. Um, but uh, I don't know if I like mixing my chocolate with my peanut butter when I mix my Buffy with sci-fi.
1: It yeah, has- um, well, it's yeah, it's the same thing with the uh, with the initiative and everything. For some reason, ro- robots have never really worked in Buffy for me.
0: It just seems like it's it's. And I don't know why it would be a bridge too far, but like, didn't dig on the Buffy bot all that much. They did interesting things, but I didn't dig the Buffy bot. I didn't. The only robot I ever liked was the one in uh, "I Was Made to Love You." Like that was just a one one off story that mm-hmm. kind of worked. Yeah. But I didn't like Ted. I didn't like. Uh, I I didn't like Adam. I just the the addition of sci-fi. I don't know why it's a bridge too far for me.
1: Uh, I agree. For some reason, it just doesn't feel like it fits. That being said, to me, the real thrust of lineage and the power of this episode has nothing to do with the cyborg assassins. They could have been mutant demon shape-changer assassins, and it would have worked perfectly well. Um, the This episode is all about Wesley and his father, and we finally meet the man who kind of made Wesley what he is. Um, And... Uh, you know not and in particular how the episode ends um the uh you know yeah we at least we think that it's um wesley's father but it turns out to be another cyborg himself which is why i said a mutant shape-shifting demon would have worked just fine Um, yeah well
0: but it does tell you a lot about wesley and i like that part i like mm -hmm. that part a lot that that you get insight to why wesley is the way wesley is um and i could do for more of that
1: It's also the first episode, it's the episode where, I mean, since at the end of this one, just as a reminder for the listeners, it's, uh, you know, turns out that his father, quote-unquote, has been working with the cyborg assassins, and so there's a confrontation on the roof where he's, like, points the gun at his father, um, and, uh, you know, his father has a gun pointing at him, uh, you know, and is demanding the information, and then his father... As soon as he makes a move to try to take Fred hostage without blinking, Wesley guns him down and then goes over and throws up in the corner. But then, oh, surprise, surprise, it turns out that he wasn't a, it wasn't actually his father, it was a cyborg as well, which actually kind of felt like a cop out to me. Um, but the real telling thing at the end of that is when Fred is talking to Wesley um And she says, wow, that was really, really clever of you to have figured out that it wasn't actually your father. It was a robot. And Wesley just looks at her dead in the face and he says, no, I was 100% convinced that was my father. He was trying to hurt you, and so I killed him. And that's the first moment I think that Fred really realizes just how much Wesley cares for her. Um, Like, it's a big revelation for her.
0: Well, and I think that, that of course you learn in a Josh show to be careful when people are starting to realize how much they care for each other. Um, something terrible is about to happen. Right. Um, uh, the next episode uh, of is finally, uh, uh, Destiny 111903. Uh, when another mysterious package arrives at Wolfram and Hart uh, that recorporalizes Spike, the gang learns that the existence of two living and sold vampire heroes has created chaos in the world. After Eve tells them about a prophecy that states that the only way to restore order is to find the cup of perpetual torment that bestows human life, Angel and Spike battle it out for the ultimate prize. A series of flashbacks show the history of Angel and Spike and their relationship <coughs> with Drusilla. um First, I love Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Juliet Landau. Um, uh, she is like my one of my very few like celebrity like sort of friends. So mm-hmm. uh, it's awesome to see her back. Um, but uh, this episode's about the fight. This is the fight you always wanted to see happen. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. You never really got to see them go toe to toe, and it's Mortal Kombat for like half of the episode. While mm-hmm. at the same time, they're flashing back to Angel and Spike's history. Yeah. Um, This is great. Mm -hmm. This is great. Uh, Should we just spoil what's in the cup?
1: (laughs) What, the Mountain Dew?
0: It's Mountain Dew! (laughs) I (laughs) I love when they get it.
1: The the great thing about that is the... uh, Well, so much about that. Um, For one thing, I love the fact that it's Mountain Dew because... I mean, yes, we've had to get used to the fact that there's a whole lot of dark... uh, you know, ruins and artifacts that just conveniently happen to be scattered about California. But even I was like, wait a minute, this cup of perpetual torment just happens to be in this abandoned what was like a movie theater or something. Um, I was rolling my eyes at that. So when it turned out that it was all a setup, there was part of me that was just going, oh, thank God. Uh, But uh, I think it's also very telling Spike wins the battle. He's the one who drinks from the cup and discovers that it's Mountain Dew, which is also really telling with Angel, because another theme that they've been really digging into is Angel has become the bureaucrat. He's lost the fire. Spike has never lost the fire. He never loses it. Um, Which so this really foreshadows, uh, you know, some of the future episodes, which is about Angel trying to find the fire, trying to get the fire back to become the warrior again.
0: Yeah. No. It's it's. I mean it, it does that and and above and beyond doing that I think it it puts to rest the underlying uh, animosity between these two guys so they can do the buddy cop. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like like there's there's a lot of cuz they deal with like Angel's sexual relationship with Drusilla, Spike's sexual relationship with Buffy, you know, that like the stuff that you would think these guys would hate each other for they deal with it so it can be put away. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah what is if I remember one of the one of the flashbacks is about Angel like hooking up with Drusilla right yep yeah yeah just to piss off Spike because he can
0: yep yeah uh, um uh at the end uh Eve goes into her apartment and it reveals the one who made all of this happen was dun 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 Lindsay McDonald
1: which was a fantastic reveal I remember watching it with uh some friends and we were all like oh my god it was a it was I mean we haven't seen Lindsay since season 2. It was a great fallback. Thing
0: back. Only it's only in this discussion that I've realized we haven't seen Lindsay since season 2 cuz doesn't it seem like he's always kind of been there?
1: No? Like no well again, right. maybe since you binged him on DVDs like this was one where you know I I think I watched Angel over a much longer period of time than you did. Yeah. Um you know Lindsay has been gone. We just assumed he went the way of Kate.
0: Yeah, I I had not I and maybe it was cuz I binged it and it it's just in my memory. I and I don't remember what my experience was as I was watching it but in my memory, Lindsay is like the one of the big characters in Angel and turns out like he's only in like a season and a half worth of shows. Yeah. But for some reason, it feels like it's more important than that. Yeah. Uh harms way. <laughs> what a great episode name. Oh, this was such a great episode. Keeping your job as Angel's assistant is the least of Harmony's worries when she wakes up with a dead vampire victim in her bed, and no memory of the previous night's events, and things go from bad to worse when the gang's investigation reveals that the dead guy was a demon's rights activist negotiating between two warring clans. Um I uh, we find out that for sure that she was sired in graduation days. First time we've said that. Um uh they um like it i guess what what i like about this is it 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 puts you into uh it puts you into harmony's pov yeah um which it's nice to be there because you're never 100% sure with a vampire what their interiority is mhm and i feel like this this makes you know for sure kind of where she is and where she stands.
1: Yeah. it's Harmony is a surprisingly delightful character. They, I really like what they do with her in Season 5 in the sense that she is always, first and foremost, completely selfish, which really hasn't changed any since she was mortal. Um, but it's sort of like it's a, you know, she's not the kind of vampire who just goes out of her way to cause harm for harm's sake or anything. It's just she you know, she wants what she wants. She wants to be special and important. And you know,
0: you, you do realize what you just said, right?
1: I do. I do. I was trying to move by that.
0: Um, Ah, Harm. uh, The episode's called harm's way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, this was, I, I, especially, I loved the, I loved the, the PSA announcement that they had at the beginning of this episode, um, about like the welcome to the new Wolfram and heart where we've got a few little new rules for you to follow. um, and uh, basically, just like, you know, just take it from our, you know, from our CEO, uh, Angel himself. And then, like, the video, like, swings in on Angel, who's clearly looking very uncomfortable in front of the camera. And then he's like, uh, if you don't kill anyone, we won't kill you. And then it, like, cuts away to him. It was just, it was nice to see awkward Angel again. Um,
0: um I'm going to, uh, two other significant things happen here. One, uh. Uh, It's revealed that Buffy is in Europe uh, and Spike uh, is considering going to join her in Europe. But it gives you a sense of what's happening after Buffy, which is kind of fun. The idea Mm -hmm. that they're going on. Um, The other thing that's really interesting is have you ever uh, I'm going to jump off of this. You know, the show St. Elsewhere. Uh, I know of it. Do you know about the end of the show St. Elsewhere? Yes. That's the
1: one where it turns out that it was all just some kids fever dream.
0: Yeah, and, and have you seen the flow chart about everything that that affects? No. Okay, no. so the I'm going to jump off or give me five minutes to, to talk about this because this is really thing. interesting. Um, at the end of St. Elsewhere, it turns out that the entire show, St. Elsewhere, was a fantasy inside of this boy's mind. All right, so what I'm going to do, if you give me just one second, I'm going to pull up uh, so I can explain it to you. Uh, St. Elsewhere flowchart, feel free to search St. Elsewhere flowchart on Google um, and if you go to images... So we can all
1: follow along at home.
0: Yes, yeah, so if you go to images um, uh, and I'm just choosing the first one that I see um, th- essentially what it shows is that St. That Elsewhere uh, which uh, had a significant crossover in that one character from St. Elsewhere ended up crossing over onto um, Homicide Life on the Street Mm-hmm. Which means, of course, that all of Homicide Life on the Street is also in that um, mm-hmm. is also in that universe. So that means all of Homicide Life in the Street is uh, is in this guy's mind. Uh, St. elsewhere, just to direct ties, also crossed over with Crossing Jordan, DeGrassi uh, Senior High, The Bob Newhart Show, The White Shadow, uh, uh, Mash. And uh, Chicago Hope, Boston Public, Cheers, at Methan and Red. The well, problem minute, the
1: Bob, is... The Bob Newhart show wasn't that... Now, is this Newhart's first or second show?
0: It's his first show.
1: Okay, because it's funny because it but, turns out uh, that his second show ends up also being a dream from the first show.
0: The problem with that, of course, is that the Bob Newhart show... Uh, if that was just in the guy's of mind, then so is the second Newhart show, which oh, by God. the way crossed, o- crossed so over. So we've, with we've Coach got we've got Newhart Inception going on. Yeah, that's the Bob Newhart show crossed over with Alf and Murphy Brown, uh, and and High Society, and then the nanny also crossed over with High Society, which also crossed over with Everybody Lev Raymond, which crossed uh, are, over are with. Are we Becker, getting
1: into the six? Th- so, so we're getting into the six degrees of saying elsewhere here.
0: Ex- essentially, yes. Um, the thing is is that St. Elsewhere crossed over with cheers cheers crossed over with Frasier. Frasier crossed over the John with the John Larroquette show and the John Larroquette show crossed over at some point, um, uh, with angel.
1: How, how did the John Larroquette show cross over with angel?
0: I would have to, uh, I, I'm sure you could look it up. It's, it's, that I'm sounds not like a bit of a
1: stretch, but,
0: but okay, I see where you're well, going.
1: I see where you're going.
0: Well, here's here's a thing the sort of thing that happens because people like to say kind of funny little things here and there right mm-hmm. the problem is is that in harm's way uh when uh when because this is what makes it all in this kid's mind in harm's way uh this kid uh, or rather in harm's way um harmony refers to wolferman hart's ties with Wayland yutani Wayland Utani being the corporation, the
1: corporation with Alien, yeah,
0: yes. Which means was this that this
1: might have been around the time that Joss was writing Alien Resurrection? Oh, this is
0: this is way after. This is years and years oh, okay. after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the given that they've now referred to Wayland Utani as a real company, that puts Aliens. In the same universe. By the way, Wayland yutani is also referred to in Firefly, which puts Firefly in the same universe as Angel.
1: Now, but let me... Let me it, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted your No, phone.
0: you go ahead. Please, please.
1: Um, I was going to say, now, there is an alternate explanation for that, which is Wayland yutani everyone knows, oh, that was the company that they mentioned in Alien, which was a film from, like, the late 70s. Uh, or, I, it's a film from a long ago. Um, which means that that's plenty of time for some corporation to ironically take the name for themselves because it's already got brand recognition. Case in point, there is a a nutrition drink company out there called Soylent right now. Where sure. the guy Yeah, so it like so if so it's entirely possible that um, there actually was a time making company that they were just like, let's go with Wayland Utani. Oh yeah, that's cool. The kids will like that because it's a little throwback sort of thing. Um, you know, or maybe, uh, uh, so that, that might possibly be a way of severing the, the endless loop connection. Um, I mean, that's a much less fun way of thinking. Sure. About it, but,
0: sure. Um, uh, there's, yeah, I mean, I, there, there, yes, there, there, there is some truth to that. Um, but I prefer <laughs> to think of it this way.
1: <laughs> I reject your reality and substitute my own.
0: Yes. Um, uh, uh, it gets even more complicated because I don't know when St. Elsewhere started, but if St. Star- Elsewhere started before Angel and all of this is in his mind before, it means that we are living in his universe, essentially, that we are mm-hmm. all in his mind um but it's a fun thing to look into uh if you ever want to uh take a look at um at it's the tommy westfall uh universe the kid's name is tommy Westfall. It sounds like quite um, it sounds
1: like quite a rabbit hole
0: oh it's so fun you can spend a good afternoon looking out, just going ha it's so fun anyway moving on um Oh, uh, where were we? Um, Soul Purpose 12104. A mysterious stranger approaches Spike, claiming responsibility for recorporealizing him in a mission to guide Spike and supplanting Angel as the new vampire champion. Meanwhile, Angel is wracked by intense fever dreams and hallucinations of his worst fears, intensifying worries that he will lose authority to Spike. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Interesting kind- thing. This was David Boreanaz's... Uh- the only episode to have been directed by David Boreanaz.
0: Very interesting. Also, this is, uh, the first reference, um, in a while, uh, to Doyle in that, in oh, that, uh, yeah. They yeah. Do. Um, so, uh, so it's interesting. You have Doyle's clothes. Um, you wonder, and I've heard that this, if Doyle had been alive in this season, like that they would have wanted him uh, to be part of this. Oh, absolutely. Um, but of course it's not. It's when you hear Doyle's name, mm-hmm. it's, it's harsh. It's harsh to hear his name in this show. Still something mm-hmm. about it still hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yes, that's that story. Um, is this also the episode where Spike, uh, uses the, the, the cool spiky things, the, the like Batman spiky stuff? Cause I know it happens um, somewhere and I know that this episode parallels that first. I don't, re- uh, I don't
1: remember. Oh yeah. Where like Spike decides to like do his like tool belt sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. This is another fun one. Uh, uh, damage, uh, 12804. Uh, when an emotionally unstable woman, Dana, escapes from a psychiatric ward, Angel learns that she was tortured as a child and is now searching for a tormentor. And Andrew, a watcher in training, arrives from Sunnydale with surprising information about Buffy and to inform the group that Dana is also a vampire slayer.
1: That's right. Um, all slayers have been activated now.
0: Yes. Um. I love this yeah, um this, is this a great one this expands the buffy universe mm-hmm. like this tells you oh look at everything that's happening look what's going on uh with uh with andrew um uh andrew's look what's going- meet
1: like and of course it was a pure old dose of buffy when andrew sees spike for the first time And I think utters something like hugs him fiercely and utters something about like Gandalf lost to the Balrog returned. Like it is the most fantastically dorky thing.
0: I adored it. Um, it also tells you that Buffy doesn't know that spikes alive. Um, which is, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it, it says so much about, it says so much about, uh, about the world. Um, we know the Scoobies are getting the Slayers together um, in, uh, in different parts of the world. Willow and Kennedy are in South America, are still a cu- couple. Xander's in Africa. Buffy's in Rome. And Don's in the Italian school. Um, uh, the Scooby gang no longer says that Angel is trustworthy. And that's why they're not coming to help.
1: Because um, he's uh, working for Wolfram and Hart.
0: Yeah. Um, it's huge. It's expansive like this. This is what makes me so fucking mad. I'm sorry. I'm trying on this. This isn't Trek off. I shouldn't curse like this. But oh my gosh. Like like why, Fox? Did this show have to go away? And why did the Buffyverse get, have to get squashed? We could be watching this for years to come. Look at everything that's happening there. Like, like you get the sense of so much is happening outside of LA. And are you like... I'm so hungry at this point to know what's going on. Like, like they're giving me little tiny nuggets. Aren't you starving for that a little bit here?
1: Um, Buffy could not survive beyond Sunnydale. And I mean, Buffy the show and, and, and also in terms of the very nature of it, it was a very black and white, small town show. Um, as soon as you take it global, you have to deal with gray areas and subtleties. Um, I believe Angel could survive beyond L.A., um, if that makes sense. Uh, Angel could have absolutely survived beyond L.A. They could have taken Angel Global, um, but not so much the Buffy thing. Uh, I mean, because even with the comics that I read afterwards, which we really won't touch on too much, but technically the comics are canon. Uh, The Buffy comics are canon, and uh, it gets, and pretty much when Buffy goes, you know, gets her Slayer army and goes beyond Sunnydale, it becomes a Marvel comic. We're talking superhero-level stuff going on, Uh, which was cool, because of course I love following the gang and seeing stuff, and I really enjoyed reading them, but at the same time, it's not the same show. Um, And... uh, so I guess that's my feeling with the whole Buffy side of things, um, but uh, but no, I agree. Angel could have kept going for a while yet. I mean, there's well, no, sh- could there's have... no shortage, of, there's no shortage of bad guys in the world.
0: Or you could have had a Faith show, or you could have had a Ripper. All this, you know, there was supposed to be a Faith show, but uh, but uh, Elijah Disku, uh took True Calling instead. Mm-hmm. There was almost a Faith show that would would, would have expanded all of this. Yeah. Um, uh, Okay, the next episode. Um, um, well, one it, thing that is kind of cool, about yeah. uh, just to touch on
1: damage real quickly, the, uh, the end of that, I think, is really much with what you were saying. The fact that after they, they get Dana, uh, they capture her or something, and Angel is thinking, okay, I'm going to take care of her, figure it out, you know, just like he did with Faith. Suddenly, this entire army of slayers shows up, and that's where Andrew is like, no, Angel, you're the bad guys. She's one of ours. We're taking her and you can't stop us, Uh, which it was cool because it's I think it's the first moment that Angel really goes, wait a minute. What do you mean? I'm the bad guy. Uh, You know, Hmm. when somebody that he trusted that deeply instead of being like, oh, I disagree with the way you're doing good is actually saying, no, you are literally playing for the wrong team. Uh, I think that was the first of his wake up calls. Which goes well? No, it's not the first of his wake up calls, but it's certainly the wake up call that leads right into this next episode, which is his big rebirth as the warrior hero.
0: You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Aired two four of two thousand four. Episode this was 12.
1: sweeps. This was sweeps week. I remember very vividly because they also, were they were playing the trailers for weeks about hey look, Cordy's coming back! Hooray! Yeah. Fuck uh, you guys! The Sorry. hundredth
0: the hundredth episode of the series. Um. Uh. The plan was for uh Buffy to be in this episode, but Buffy's aunt died and had work obligations. Um. You know. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. I don't know if she didn't want to. Re- I don't know what the deal was. Wouldn't have that happen
1: for the episode. Wait, are you sure that's for this one and not for it's the episode? For, it's
0: the- f- yeah. It it it's for this one and the girl in question. Uh. There was another reason why, but yes, she Buffy was supposed to be in this one. Oh. Okay. Um. Uh. That was so. That's why they brought they they that, that's why they focus it so significantly on uh on Chris Car- carpenter um which i think is better
1: i mean it's it is yeah. to the benefit of this episode that buffy was not there
0: um i the to boil it down to everything else we get to see um we get to see cordelia come back um uh we get to see her interact with everybody. We get to see her uh, be a part of the team. We get to see her, see her confront angel about him running uh Wolfram and heart instead of fighting it. Uh, we get to, we get to see all of this. And then, uh, and then at the end uh, we find out that the powers that be let her come back um, so that she could go on her new path. They have a, a passionate kiss, Um, and a ringing telephone interrupts them from Wikipedia and as angel picks up the receiver after Cordelia sadly tells him he needs to Cordelia says, Oh, and you're welcome. And then the voice on the phone says Cordelia has died and Cordelia never actually awoke from her coma. Um, she had kind of been the ghost of Cordelia, um, her essence the whole Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Um, there's so much you could talk about in this episode. You could talk like if, if we were doing an episode by episode show, this would be a long one. Um,
1: yeah. the, uh, some, a couple things that jumped out at me with this one. Um, there is in the angel soundtrack, there is a very particular heroic theme, uh, that was used a lot in season one. Uh, They brought it back in season two when Angel, after his epiphany, came to the rescue of the gang by driving the jeep through the uh, or the car through the uh, through the house, Um, and uh, and we have not heard that theme for over two seasons now. Um, But when his final, but in his battle with Lindsay, um, I think there's this moment, you know, when Angel, uh, you know. You know, when they do the traditional clash swords sort of thing, uh, you know, and and dialogue as they're clashing swords, uh, you know, Angel says, well, I'm Angel. I beat the bad guys, which is in itself a throwback to season one. And he gives Lindsay this uppercut that sends him flying, and they bring in that theme again, which musically is a way of reinforcing the the sense that... uh, the warrior angel is back. Uh, it was, it was a cool moment. I
0: enjoyed it. Um, the show is incredibly well received. It's It's named as one of the top five in all of this. I have to, the one problem with this show for me, um, and it's nothing. Yeah. This episode, although mm-hmm. it's really not with this episode, it's worth the show. Um, is that I had forgotten about Cordy being there. And I was almost, I, they left her hanging so long. I'm really bothered that nobody has mentioned or wanted to do anything about the fact that she was there the entire time that she's been there. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel more like I wish they had had her die and then come back one last time because it really seemed for the first 10 episodes of the season, like they didn't care about Cordy.
1: I can completely understand that. Yeah.
0: Um, And then suddenly they really care about Courtney. But, uh, you know, I think that at the very least, maybe they realized what they had done and they were like, well, we're going to, we can at least do this um, Mm -hmm. to make it better. So I can appreciate this episode. If I just like. You know, there's you know, I've talked to you about this before there. My good friend Josh uh, used to say uh, that sometimes when he watches a movie, he has to uh, be um, like that character in the movie Hannibal, uh, who gets stupider and stupider as Hannibal cuts out pieces of his brain. Mm -hmm. And and uh, so now sometimes I just have to uh, scoop is what I say. Just got to scoop scoop a little bit out. I just got to scoop a little bit out. Just scoop. And I got to scoop a little um, to really enjoy this episode because I want to kind of yell at the screen the whole time going why why was it why'd you wait to you know till now but it's you know i think it's fair enough that the episode is wonderful and beautiful and and damn mm-hmm. um okay uh why we fight uh a really good like theme great, in a not cool. in 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 a not that great episode
1: i i uh, enjoyed it i thought it was well written um there were some Beautiful dialogue in this one. Uh, but go on, do your setup.
0: Well, okay, so uh, so this is um, Lawson, a mysterious man from Angel's past, arrives at Wolfram and Hart, and it takes the gang hostage. Through flashbacks to World War II, it's revealed that Angel worked with the U.S. Navy to recover a captured German submarine with American sailors on board. The ship also has secret cargo, a dangerous trio of vampires, including Spike, who were kidnapped by the Germans and forced to help the Nazis. When the sub comes under attack, Angel saves Lawson's life by turning him to a vampire, and now 60 years later, Lawson has arrived at Wolfram and Hart, seeking revenge it's in my opinion uh far too convenient that angel and spike both ended up in a submarine in the 1940s
1: Oh, of course you have to get past that um but it's i mean they did that purely so that they could in the tri- again in the previews show spike in a nazi outfit and be like sure. oh look spike used to be a nazi um it's of course yeah <laughs> Yes, it's far too convenient, but if that's a problem, you also have to get past the, the extraordinary convenience of the fact that the uh that the ancient temple that Willow wanted to use to destroy the world at the end of season six also happened to be in Sunnydale, uh, but no one had noticed it yet. Like there's um I guess it's sort of like the I scooped the part of my brain that uh happened to notice all of these convenient coincidences. I scooped that out so long ago that I barely blinked at this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't know what about it. And maybe it's because the way the show has changed. Because this isn't what this show is doing anymore. There was a point earlier in the show where it was very much like Highlander. Where you had the flashback story and you had this story. Or like Arrow, which does it now. And that's what this is doing. And you... In a show like that where you're telling the A story and the B story and one is always a flashback or like Lost, you know, that you you're used to that sort of level of convenience. But because of the way the show was going, the sort of convenience of, oh, here's the story about now um, is,
1: is, I think that you know, I think that might have been one of the reasons why I liked it was because it was harkening back to, uh, you know, season one, season two of Angel, which made much more use of the flashback. Uh, And actually, you know, let me go back on something. If you remember at the beginning of this podcast, I said, I don't remember any of the one shots in this season. Now that I'm actually going back through it, I'm like, wait a minute. I remember a ton of the one shots in the season. In fact, the reason why I loved this season so much was because it had more one shots in it than season three and season four did um, while still maintaining a good arc. The uh, I know I'm in the minority on this, but I do not like strictly serialized shows where um, every episode is just one chapter in one big arc. I like having a little bit of my—I I like my Monster of the Week, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and I thought this was a great Monster of the Week. Uh, the concept of—that they were exploring of— what happens if a vampire with a soul creates another vampire? What does that vampire have to go through? Uh, It was very cool. There's a beautiful line of dialogue that that, uh, the vampire in this one said, uh, you know, he says, it's been 50 years of blood turning to ash in my mouth. Uh, You know, so like it, I I, I agree with you. It did seem a little out of left field, um, more than a little out of left field. Um, I completely agree with you on that. I think it's more just like I actually enjoyed the curveball from left field. Uh, and let to me totally fr- let me be clear
0: my- i didn't I didn't hate it, but mm-hmm. it's surrounded by such great stuff. Yeah, I, it's a- surround.
1: I mean, the fact is, it comes between your welcome and smile time. I mean, yeah. Th- so it's, uh, it, um, yeah. So compared to those two, it's yeah.
0: So that, there's a line right in the episode I'm, I'm going to wrap this line that the episode by quoting this line where Angel says I'm not getting trapped at the bottom of the sea and Spike says I'm not getting experimented on by the American government um that's really funny
1: <laughs> oh my god I totally didn't that's funny that's really freaking
0: funny <laughs> because you know because um, th- those things
1: are ha- ah, is funny because oh. those things actually happen okay Smile time. Smile time. Ooh. I
0: own this script. I have I think, this script.
1: Did you get I, this? I th- either you or another friend of mine also got me this script. And we, we'll have to talk about how the script differs from what actually showed up yeah. on the screen a little bit.
0: But I have the script. I have the Spike story in comic book. I own the angel puppet. I own the Spike puppet from the comic book. I... I'm a fan of this episode. This episode is amazing. I'm staring right now at my angel puppet.
1: This episode brought, uh, this episode reminded us all about just the sheer delight and whimsy that is at the heart of the Um, You know, just that, oh yeah, we're going to talk about vampires and demons and all these things, but look, what a fun romp.
0: Um, so this uh, was written by Ben Edlund and directed by Ben Edlund with a story by Joss Whedon. But one thing is that this is a Joss episode. Uh, it's not. Nope. It's not. This is this is someone else. Um, uh, In terms of the, the arc, um, the only thing really is that 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 it adds to the arc is that gun is losing his, uh, his brain power and he sells his soul essentially to keep his, uh, knowledge. And Wesley and Fred begin their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs> the short, it, it turns out to be a short relationship, even by Whedonverse <laughs> standards.
0: Um, uh, essentially the plot of this episode is there's a, uh, a television show for kids that it's essentially uh, feeding off their life as essence and uh, angel goes to try and stop it and he gets turned into a Muppet and then they have to battle and everybody, the rest of the show is basically people reacting to him being a Muppet. And then finally seeing how fun it is to watch him as a Muppet uh, fight. Yeah. Um,
1: it's great. The, I saw many great lines in this. The, uh, when the demon puppets are talking Uh, you know, when they're planning. And, like, and, of course, the head demon puppet is like, oh, yes, this is what we're going to do to get ready. So we'll get more kids watching so we can suck their souls more. And then, like, the dog puppet is being just like, yeah, but what about, I think we could really, like, I think there'd be a nice opportunity for a segment here on uh, on nutrition, on proper nutrition. And the demon is like, we are like the head demon is like, we are trying to suck kids' souls. And the dog replies, and maintain a high standard of quality edutainment, <laughs> which I have taken. Quality edutainment has become one of my uh, one of my watchword phrases now. Ever since, I just adore that so much.
0: There's uh, lines that I enjoy. Uh, Maybe it's puppet cancer. I don't have puppet cancer. (laughs) Angel, you're you're cute. Oh, you're a wee little puppet man.
1: You're a wee little puppet man. And And the battle
0: between Spike and Angel. Yeah, yeah,
1: where Angel just launches himself at Spike's face. Uh, Then of course, (sighs) you know, then Angel having his conversation with Nina as she's in the cage, transforming into her werewolf and.
0: He takes uh, his own nose off.
1: Yeah, to, but then, of course, it ends up with uh, Nina turning full werewolf and grabbing him and literally tearing him apart. Like, there's fluff everywhere.
0: <laughs> and there's there's uh, there's uh, the moment where they do the awesome like angel walk that they would do that would normally yeah. be the, like, <laughs> and he's got a big sword around. his well, head. It,
1: I think it because it starts with the walk with uh, the angel walk and the camera at regular height and then the camera just sort of has to pan down to see oh, angel with this.
0: Oh, um, it's so good.
1: Let me talk about when I first saw the trailer for this again. You know, the week before, next week on Angel, of course everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be the best episode ever," and. I remember at the time thinking, and I, cause I think um, we were still in the era of bullet time. Uh, the, you know, I think Matrix, one of the Matrix sequels had just come out. Um, and I was, th- and I remember thinking to myself, it's like, please God, what I want more than anything else is a scene in this where he is fighting as a puppet and then they do the 360-degree bullet-time ah, camera that would've thing. That would have been great. Now, here's the thing. They didn't do it in the episode. In the script that was written, the scriptwriter did have that idea. In the final fight between Angel and the demon puppet, he actually had that written in. But, strangely enough, 360-degree bullet-time camera work is pretty freaking expensive. Or at least it certainly was back then. So they didn't go with that. They actually ended up going with a uh, a different thing, which ended up working just as well, if not better, which is, uh, you know, as Angel is facing off against the demon and uh, um, Angel pins him to the ground and the demon puppet is like, oh, wow, so you've got a little demon in you. And Angel goes, I've got a lot of demon in me. And then goes puppet game face and puppet sing- and sinks his puppet teeth into the puppet's neck.
0: Which is, by the uh, way, that's that's the Angie puppet I have. Yeah, as I, am, I, I am, the game face. Andrew as
1: puppet. as sad as I am not to see the three hundred sixty degree bullet time thing, story wise, him going puppet, him becoming, you know, it reminded us. Oh wait, he's not just a puppet; he's a puppet vampire. That uh, was fantastic.
0: Um, um all right, and jumping. Then, oh, well, sorry, had, and then
1: of course the final ending where Wes and Fred finally hook up. And them having this nice, long, slow, beautiful kiss to the uh, soundtrack, you know, t- um, to the underscoring of the puppet dog with his ukulele singing s- uh, a song about self-esteem called "Self-esteem is for everyone. Self-esteem is great." As Wesley kisses Fred, it was. I'm sh- I'm it sure was that in many ways a perfect episode.
0: I'm sure that that kiss uh, will. Everything will turn out fine.
1: Everything, everything
0: always fine. does. now here's the thing keep in
1: mind again so i'm watching this live so we've just seen this wonderful episode we're like that's amazing it goes to commercial and everything and then we're like oh well let's stick around and see what's coming next week and then it says next week on angel and all it is is flashes of fred looking really sick and things like working really really bad and we're like holy shit what the like even a week ahead of time we're like what the hell guys you see, what are you seeing I think doing? It,
0: I think it's worse the way I watched it because I was watching it on DVD and I went right from smile time, go, Oh, let's watch one more.
1: Oh yeah, you're <laughs> right. You win. That's so much worse. I was prepped <gasps> for it at least.
0: Um, even, whole- with,
1: even the way that they did the trailer, I was like, Oh, there's no way
0: Fred is making it out of this. A hole in the world when Fred opens up an agent sarcophagus that was anonymously sent to her. She is infected by a mysterious parasitic demon called Illyria. Angel and Spike learn that Illyria is an ancient demon who existed before recorded time and they must race to return her to an ancient demon burial ground before she kills Fred and thousands of other innocent victims. And, uh, in the course of this, uh, they are, um, uh, she is made to survive with the help of, uh, of Knox and, and gun um which is going to be a problem later uh Mm -hmm. they they strive and they strive and they strive and they strive to save her and they fail yep and the most heart-wrenching death in the entire buffy verse in terms of in terms of the death itself the moment of the death itself Mm -hmm. um it, I would say that Tara hurt more in the long term. I would say that Joyce, we found her dead, and that was the most shocking, but why can't I stay? Why yeah, can't well, I because stay? It's,
1: it's the one time it's a character who is aware that they're dying.
0: Um, it's, and, and of course, you know, you've had flashbacks to what Fred has become in the meantime as well. Um, it is hard to watch. Mm-hmm. it is up there why can't i stay after after so so when i want to torture uh mrs j my wife when she's watching the vampire diaries and saying how hard that show is to watch
1: yeah i remember you were telling me about this
0: i'll say i'll, I'll say uh mom mommy cuz that's the worst i'll say I'll, I'll i'll say i'll never forget i'll never forget i'll never forget and then she and then she hits me i'll go mm-hmm. your shirt and she'll get really mad and then the <laughs> The coup de grace for me is to go, why can't I stay? Why can't I stay? And she'll cry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. It's so hard.
1: <laughs> Let me just be clear, though. You are willing to go on record and say that your hatred of the Vampire Diaries is so great that you are willing to make your wife cry to prove a point.
0: I, I've never watched the Vampire Diaries. Uh. <laughs> Which makes it all the better um it's just it's just that how do i say this the comparisons that are made to buffy are not okay with me (laughs) um uh and then the show ends with uh the show ends with the um the appearance of Illyria. um so i guess now is a good time as any how do you feel about Illyria?
1: um well here's the thing so when they did this they were still, <laughs> those silly showrunners, they were under the impression that they actually were going to have another season. Um, so I was furious at what they did with Fred in this because it just seemed after seven years of, you know, the whole, oh, you like this character? Things are going well. Well, we're going to do something to kill off a character. Haha. <laughs> I was getting a little tired of it. Um, and this was long before George R. R. Martin was even on the map. Um, but uh, I heard somewhere, and this could have just been a wishful thinking rumor, that part of their plan would have been like in a later season to find a way to get Fred back, which would have been great. Um, and the thing is, Illyria as a, So l- let me put that out there. I was furious with them. I wish they had not done this. That being said... Illyria is a great character. It shows off Amy Acker's chops phenomenally, um, and the and the addition of an ancient god uh, that who now has its power severely limited and is sort of struggling to understand the mortal world, sort of thing, is a great addition to the team. Um, so, as far as like Illyria is concerned. I think it's great. Um, I love what Amy Acker did with her. Um, I was just extraordinarily pissed at the way that they brought this about.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, I think that it could be that we are tiring of seeing the character death thing. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of the character of Valeria, I liked her. It took me a little while to, to like her. Um, I needed to see her vulnerable. Of course, in the episode shells, um, let me just go through the, uh, the, the next episode, uh, which is where we kind of get to know her. Um, uh, Illyria, um, uh, battles with, uh, with, with you know, team angel completely, uh, completely beats them. Uh, they end up using a, a, a uh, a crystal from the sarcophagus, um, uh, which, uh, makes it so that. Her time altering powers don't work on them. Uh, uh, they go through a portal, and um, and Wesley uh, witnesses her find out that her army is dead, or temples destroyed, all of her plans for taking over the world are gone. Um, Illyria doesn't know what to do, and uh, and Wesley realizes that pieces of Fred are still inside her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she uh, she makes a deal with Wesley, um. To to basically be able to stick around, um, she asks him if there's anything in this life but, but grief, and Wesley replies that there's love, there's hope for some. Hope that you'll find something worthy, that your love will lead to some joy. That after everything, you can still be surprised. Illyria asks him if that's enough to live on, and he can't answer her. I um, mm-hmm. uh, I like Illyria Illyria's journey into uh, humanity. I absolutely believe that if the show weren't going to be coming to an end, that w- we would end up murdering Illyria to get Fred back. And that would be a cost. I, you know husband. what?
1: I could, I could absolutely see that. Um, Illyria, Illyria's journey into humanity is fantastic. The, uh, um and again, kudos to Amy Acker on this. Um, The uh, remind me, I don't want to jump ahead to it, but remind me when we talk about the final episode, uh, there's a key instance of that for Leary that I want to talk about. Um, um no, go on. And then, this is actually from here on out. This is where we, they start ramping up into the season finale. Now, it's actually I think it was six. They were six episodes away from the end of the season, um, where they found out that they weren't getting picked up again. And uh, I think I remember reading an article that Joss Whedon He says, you know, yes, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, after all of this is said and done, he's like, I just have to remember the poem. Uh, you know, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I I took the one less traveled by, and they canceled my damn show. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I love Joss adore. reading so I much. I love Joss so much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so these final few episodes, there is clearly a rushed facet to them. Uh, but... You know, everyone watching was okay with it because it was well. They forgave the showrunners for it because they knew well. You've got
0: to do something to wrap up this thing. Um, and so we start moving in that direction. Uh, in uh, underneath, hoping that Lindsay has information on the senior partner's ultimate plans. Angel, Spike, and Gun track him down in a bizarre and terrifying suburban hell. Meanwhile, nearly invincible stranger sent by the senior partners infiltrates Wolfram and Hart, looking for Eve. I love the suburban hell.
1: Yeah, I Suburban love, Hell is wonderful. The fact um, that your your life is perfect and everything, you've got this wonderful wife and everything, but you just once a day have to go down into the basement and have your heart torn out. Yeah, it was that's great. That's wonderfully creepy.
0: Um I love that uh I love that Lindsay's down there. I love that Gun takes his place. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I, an important
1: thing for that, which we didn't really touch on, that I love the fact that Gun was. Quasi knowingly complicit in Fred's death, like he knew when he signed the papers to let Illyria's uh, remains be shipped into the country that someone was going to die. He didn't know it was going to be someone. He didn't know it was going to be someone who knew. Yeah, it's going to be a person. Mm-hmm. And so this is a chance for Gunn to redeem himself by doing that.
0: Um. Uh, this episode, uh, also, uh, introduces, uh, a man by the name of Marcus Hamilton, uh, Marcus Hamilton. His name is Marcus Hamilton. Um, <laughs> uh, who is the new liaison to the senior partners as they no longer trust, uh, mm. uh, Eve played by Adam. Hey, look, Baldwin. it's another
1: guy from Firefly. <laughs> Gosh, they must have a lot of time off during that show break.
0: I like him. He's uh, great. In this, yeah. um, um, he is a physical danger, his confidence that he brings makes mm-hmm. him feel like like he just doesn't feel threatened by anything. Yeah and it's so different uh, from Eve it, it seems like the it seems like the senior partners have uh, have ramped it up. but mm-hmm. they leave a uh, gun behind and uh, Lindsay comes up with them um, and it's now sort of part of the team sort of uh, maybe huh? Episode 18421 of 2004 Angel resists the appeal of parents seeking help from Wolfram & Hart regarding their son's supernatural abilities after he discovers that the boy is his son Connor Despite his reservations Angel is forced to bring Connor into conflict with an old adversary Sajan to prevent his son's memory from being restored Meanwhile Wesley uncovers a mysterious deal uh sorry uh, sir, uh, struck by Wolfram in the heart that threatens the secret angel despre- the secret that angel desperately wants to protect. I like this a lot.
1: I did. The 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 final conversation between Connor and Angel in this one was great. Where Connor says, I I remember. I know what you did. um, And the fact that then Connor says, and I know why you did it. And I appreciate that. Like, it was for angel to finally have, um, to have his son. All right. So is- I want
0: to, here's what I, am going to, I want to stop you real quick in that it's implied in this episode, but it's not until the final episode. Of the oh, series you're right. Connor it's not until the of.
1: final episode. You're right. Thank you. I'm, I'm misremembering. Uh, um, well, then let me just talk about that thing anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which makes it much more important for the final episode. Uh, you know, ever since Connor has come into the world, there have been forces conspiring to turn him against Angel. Um, Angel's relationship with his son has been one long history of him trying to do right and his kid not getting it. Um, which I could, you know, which uh, I think that hits parenthood on the head frequently. Do um, you have an no idea? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to have the kid at the end say, hey, I get it. Thank you. I mean, I cannot imagine a better gift uh, in that sense. Um, so I I, I, I like that they took that arc there. I, I really thought that was necessary.
0: And I like the return of Connor. Yeah. Um, which is part of Angel's arc. You have you 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 have the kid who's uh, your baby. You have the kid who's growing up and hates you. Now you have the kid who's grown up and got a college, pretty much.
1: Yeah. yeah and he, let's think about this had this show been allowed to go to season 6 they could have brought Connor back and he would have been a much cooler much more liked character
0: or he could have come back from time to time yeah Um. like it's it's really nice it's really yeah. really, really super nice Um. the next episode uh, is of course Time Bomb uh, airing on April 28th 2004 this um, is one of those shows I remember nothing about <laughs> all right well then i'll get a little more uh, a little more detailed than i normally would um uh time bomb when illyria's powers become unstable and cause her to radically jump through time she learns that the gaining intends to kill her upon returning to the present illyria decides she must kill everyone else before they're able to attack her angel caught in illyria's time distortion is pulled into the past and must find a way to w- find a way to alter the course of events um the uh the arc significance of course is that I- illyria says to angel that uh he has to form a plan against Wolfram and Hart uh because at the end um, he's going to have to forfeit an unborn child uh, and uh and battle the circle of the blackthorn oh this um, was
1: the I think it did have the was this the first episode where they started really talking about the circle of the blackthorn
0: um I'm not sure if it's this one or the next one I want to take uh I want to give you this idea um uh, in terms of the themes because we don't remember it as well as we should I'm going to steal from the AV Club's uh, author Noel Murray when he said it takes his f- it takes its cues from what's happening to Illyria as her plower swells and begins to crack the container that is Fred's body Illyria keeps slipping back in time relieving conversations and moments of action and sometimes taking the people around her along for the ride for example we see Illyria kill Wes, Lauren, Spike and Angel then slip back to a moment before all that happened this giving Angel a chance to prevent it there's also relevant what's happening to to our heroes, who have been weighing every option and considering the consequences, and to some extent, over the past few episodes, have been getting a chances at do overs. Stuck oh. in a suburban hell, Gun doesn't make a deal to get back what he had, while Wes does essentially make the same bad decisions regarding Connor that he did before. Um, uh, he says even the character Valeria is something a repeat in that she's a meaner version of Jasmine. Um, the arc significant, of course, is that uh, is is that you know, Illyria shows up and refuse, uh, uh, rescues gun. So, um, you get a sense that bad things are coming. Um, yeah. and you get a sense of Illyria's sort of final decision to s- kind of stick around, uh, with the team. And yeah. that's kind of what you get from it. It's an okay episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, this does remind me, speaking of the circle of the black thorn, it does one thing that I think I forgot about in your welcome did have the introduction of one of my favorite, ancillary characters that you never really see i never even got his name um but when cordy is challenging angel about working for wolfram and hart she says you are literally making a deal with the devil and he's like no i'm not and then somebody who looks literally like the traditional version of satan redskin horns and everything walks by he's like hey angel racquetball next tuesday he's like you know it <laughs> and just walks on by
0: that's amazing
1: um, yeah, and that character ends up being one of the members of the Circle of Blackthorn. Like, I love that they brought him back, but I just, you know, it's like they got the devil walking around um, in Wolfram and Hart.
0: Um, okay. Here is a real problematic uh, uh, episode.
1: I do not think they should have done this episode the way they did. Um, the, We're talking about the girl in question, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, Um, basically they go to, um, Angel and Spike go to Italy to try to rescue Buffy from an old nemesis of theirs called the Immortal. Um, the parts of this that worked, clearly they meant it to be an Italian buddy cop romp. I mean, it even has the two of them driving on a Vespa, riding on a Vespa. That worked and was darling and it was delightful because look, it's, it's like Angel and Spike on the road to Italy. Um, however, the thing is the fact that Buffy was not going to come back to Angel before the show finished by this point was, it wasn't even a worst kept secret. Everyone knew it. Everyone was bummed by it. Uh, and again, I'm talking about this happening in real time. Yeah. Uh, All the fans were bummed by it, but we were like, uh, I get it. Whatever. Um, we're not happy with anything about this situation of Angel ending, um, so for them to do an episode then which sort of like teases the concept of oh we're near Buffy we're in the same room with Buffy even you see the flash of a woman of a blonde woman but you'll only see her from the back to me that's just adding insult to injury um have another reason to go to Italy so that you can get the Italian romp thing because I
0: because I like the I like the Italian from hard I like there's a lot mm-hmm. about the episode I like but
1: and, but the thing yeah. is, is that Like, and strangely, I think they got, they felt the need to, it's like, well, we need to somehow wrap up the Angel-Buffy storyline, but Buffy, especially in this show, Buffy was never as important to Angel's story as Angel was to Buffy's. It was crucial for Angel to come back at the end of Buffy, absolutely 100%, because the entire, arguably, first three seasons of Buffy are about her and Angel, Um, but with the exception of a couple episodes in season one, Angel's life in LA has had very little to do with Buffy. You didn't need to bring her back. You didn't need to give this sense that Angel needed to find some kind of resolution with her. It just was unnecessary.
0: Yeah. I don't know who, if you're not going to have her be there, like either do a different episode or have her be there for one scene at the end, go to wherever she is. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean I mean I, I, I if mean, freaking you think,
1: green screener we wouldn't care
0: if it's clever if you think it's clever that she's not there it's not who are you yeah. pleasing at this mm-hmm. point this is not the time to hold out like yeah, this the is the not fact to play funny reason, joke.
1: the only reason to bring Buffy onto the show is fan service and if you're gonna do fan service effing service then service me yes service me, service me. <sighs>
0: All right. The penultimate episode of Angel Power Play is episode 20. I'm going to, instead of going, uh, we've been reading all this, of course, off of TV.com uh, with uh, some help. Yeah, from I the mean, computer. these
1: final two episodes, for all intents and purposes, the fin- they're the final episode.
0: Um Power Play episode 21 of season 5 of the television show Angel, the gang's gang starts to have doubts about Angel's loyalty when he appears to have become very close with the Circle of the Black Thorn, an evil secret demon society. When Drogan, the guardian of the Deeper Well, arrives from England claiming that Angel has sent assassins after him, the gang fears that Angel is being corrupted by wealth and power, especially when the imprisoned Lindsay confirms his theory about the Circle of the Black Thorn waiting to have Angel join their evil group. In the meanwhile, Angel continues dating Nina, but eventually tells her to leave town, fearing for her life, when his induction to the Black Thorn becomes a certainty. And at the end, when the gang confronts Angel in his office about his questionable actions, a fight breaks out, with Lorne as a shield. Angel has time to take out a magical gem, using it to grant them a few unobserved minutes to set the group straight about what he's really planning, without anyone else knowing. It turns out that Angel has set up this whole charade of turning evil in order to infiltrate the Circle of the Black Thorn and identify its members. Yeah, so the angels uh, the not evil.
1: Yeah, the final episode, the final moment in this episode was beautiful. The you know in that moment where he's unobserved and everything, he tells them uh, what his plan is, which is I'm going to take out the circle of the black thorn. But then he also admits he says, "Is this going to have? Is this going to stop Wolfren Heart? No. Is this going to have a huge long term impact? No. But it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them very badly, and." Uh, and, and in such a way that they're not going to be able to just let it go. Like, he's essentially, he's he is recruiting people for what is, by all intents and purposes, a suicide mission. And just that beautiful thing of the camera rotating around the characters as one by one, each of them raises their hand to indicate that they're in. And then the camera phases outside the room uh, so that you're looking into the office through the window... And suddenly it looks like everybody in the room is fighting against each other. Um, and suddenly you realize you're looking at it through uh, Marcus Hamilton's point of view. Uh, it's just, it's a very powerful moment. I really like that ending.
0: The 22nd episode of Angel is called Not Fade Away. It aired on May 19, 2004.
1: I'm going to go on record and say this is possibly. My favorite ending to a series that I've ever seen.
0: We'll talk about it.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna read. No, I'm gonna no. You'll I'll, talk. I'll laugh maniacally.
0: I'm going to take the time. It's going to take a little bit longer than normal to read the uh, full synopsis uh, from Wikipedia um, for those of you who are reliving uh, Angel with us. Angel briefs his team on his plan to kill the members of the Circle of Black Thorn, and Marcos Hamilton calls Angel to an emergency meeting of the Circle where the other members express doubts about Angel's loyalty. Angel proves himself to them by irrevocably renouncing his role in the Shanshu prophecy, thereby giving up his chance to become human. Back at Wolfram and Hart, Angel meets with the old enemy, Lindsay McDonald, and enlists him in the planned attack on the Circle. He then tells the rest of the group that the plan will proceed that night. Angel advises his friend to spend the rest of the day as if it were their last, because it probably is. Angel visits his son, Connor. Connor reveals that he knows that Angel is his father, how his old memories are now mixed in with his new ones, and he understands and appreciates while Angel gave him new memories. Lorne has serious reservations about Angel's plan and his mood is dark and somber. Lindsay spends the day with Eve, who is suspicious of Angel even though Lindsay now trusts him. Gunn spends his day helping Anne at the homeless shelter she maintains. Spike goes to a CD bar, drinks heavily, and then goes on stage to recite a poem he originally recited in 1880. Wesley spends his day in his apartment tending to Illyria's wounds, telling her there's nothing else he wants and nowhere for him to be. She offers comfort to him in Fred's form, but he refuses that offer. The team splits up to attack members of the Circle separately, making plans to reunite if they survive their missions. As they leave, Lorne tells Angel this is the last thing he's going to do for him. Then after, they will never see him again. Hamilton, warned of the plan by Harmony, confronts Angel, intent on stopping the killing of the Circle's leader. Angel reveals he's already poisoned Archduke Sebasis, and the two begin to struggle. Gunspike and Spike and Illyria kill their targets Lindsay and Lorne wipe out the Savern Clan then on Angel's order Lorne executes Lindsay drops his gun and leaves clearing his de- declaring his debt paid Wesley is killed as he knocks out Cyrus Vale and as he dies Illyria comforts him in Fred's guise then kills Vale when, f- when Vale regains consciousness Angel is losing his fight with Hamilton until Connor arrives to fight on his father's side. Hamilton proudly announces that his blood runs with power prompting Angel to assume vampiric form and drink his blood acquiring enough of hamilton's strength to kill him expecting a swift counterattack from the senior partners angel directs connor to leave then manages to rendezvous with the surviving allies allies except of course lorne an army of supernatural creatures descends on angel spike a wounded gun and Illyria, who discovers that she was sorry that wesley had died as the episode and series ends angel declares let's go to work we hear swords clash we watch the final battle between Angel and, the, and Wolfram and Hart where Angel defeats them in glorious battle and we get to see no wait just keep he, just
1: keep telling yourself that he
0: right. just says let's go to work and the screen goes black and you never know what happens and Justin stands up and yells what
1: <laughs> and Arthur in the background laughs uh. Um. this is the And really, it is that final moment that, to me, takes this and really makes this a show apart. Um, This is a show that doesn't just, like, give its thesis statement. It actually believes it. For five seasons now, the show has been telling us it is not about the ultimate victory. That final victory never comes. It's about the fight, day in, day out, every day choosing to fight, regardless of whether you think you're going to make a difference had they had some ultimate victory um even a temporary ultimate victory where the gang gets to like you know where essentially like what what Buffy did where you know the gang gets to get on a school bus and ride away or something like that whether we knew it or not at the time it would have flown in the face of the thesis statement that the show was trying to make um by ending it in the heat of the moment interestingly in the same alley that the shows took pl- like um the show began in an alley it ends in an alley and that's by design um by doing that they they drove home the message in a way that would not let us forget it um there is a uh uh there was a playwright Bertolt Brecht who was a playwright in Germany in uh the 1920s 1930s Um, and he was one of the first big-time people in political theater. Um, And one of his beliefs was, he said, you cannot tell a story, even if it inspires people, and then tie it up in a nice little bow and send them home. Because if you give your audience closure, then they are left with no desire to go out and make change themselves. Um, Brecht's plays were about showing the audience the problem, like And using a good story to do it, but not resolving it in a way that let the audience think, oh, everything's fine, and go home. That's exactly what happened with the this ending here. I remember how I felt the next day after this was done. It was like they'd torn open a hole in my heart and hadn't closed it. But because of that open wound... I felt moved and inspired to do good in the world in a way that I like. I think I donated to a couple charities that day. I mean, I didn't do anything massive. Um, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but the it left me with an inspiration and a drive and a need to bring about an ending that they had refused, that the show had not given me um, to essentially carry on Angel's fight. I am convinced that had they not ended it the way they did i would not have had those same feelings i would not have done what i did if that makes sense so that is my feeling on did it piss me off as a viewer at the moment oh god i was distraught and livid and angry um but looking back on it now it was one of the uh it was it was pure art it was what art is there for it was um, it was a master stroke uh, for ending the series.
0: I want to say that I know that the it's first. It's easy to see in watching uh, this final episode of the series that it is a carefully written episode. Um, scene after scene after scene after scene is great. Line after mm-hmm. line after line after line. Is great the fact that Spike is refi- reciting the same the same uh, poem, poem. Oh. from Fool for Love from Fool um, for Love? Oh uh, gosh!
1: And every lo- and that was the poem that everyone laughed at him for, and every biker in that bar thought it was amazing. It was just f- like to me that was the best closure that that episode gave me.
0: Um, the final fight between Angel and between angel and hamilton uh both in that connor was involved and the great line uh when he goes you know power runs through my blood and and <laughs> angel says you know which one of those words you probably, shouldn't have, probably said? shouldn't have said um uh the uh the the how lost uh eve is uh the despair that Lindsay has uh when lauren kills him and he goes angel was the one who's supposed to kill me it's
1: like what you you're a flunky you don't kill me angel kills me oh it was Uh,
0: lindsey didn't even expect to live he just expected angel to kill him the disappointment in your own death and uh, that's the thing i've read uh, some of the most poignant explanations of death and war that i've read is that people look down and they go this is happening this is how it happens and mm-hmm. it's the only death we ever see, where someone looks at has a quick death, but they have a moment to go. This is this is how this happens.
1: This is not okay.
0: Like yeah, this that just the the disappointment that must go along with with along with fear and everything. If you get shot and you know you're dying, there must be a feeling of no, this can't be how this happens. Yeah, and this is it's portrayed so well. There, Lauren's despair around it, the hope that everybody like the the revelation of, of Illyria's humanity underneath the uh oh, Illyria,
1: the, Illyria's humanity, the moment I was talking about so the I mean well first there's that fantastic moment of, you know, as Wes is dying and she says, Would you like me to lie to you now? And that's the moment he says, Oh yes, please. Um yes. So, you know, she, you know, becomes Fred for him in that moment. But then when they're when they've met up in the alley and and again Props to Amy Acker uh, for the way she delivered this line, but uh, you know she said something like Wesley is dead. She's like, I feel. She, the line was something like, "I feel a rage and a desire to do extreme violence." She says, but, "I
0: wish to do. I wish to do more violence." Yeah, her but line. the
1: way it was said was that there was this undercurrent of grief. Yep, and, and surprise at this sensation of grief. Like, that this was a completely new... Like, this was an elder goddess wrestling with loss for the first time, truly.
0: Yeah, it's... it's, So, I know that that, that it's a written, a carefully written episode. I know they didn't... It's not like the end of Quantum Leap, uh, where they thought the show was going to go further and they never got time to do more, um, where Quantum Leap almost... the the season the series finale is almost like a series uh, or the the what was supposed to be a season finale ends up being a series finale and it's a weird enough episode that it was supposed to like propel the Mm -hmm. show into something new and it didn't so it's all it works as being very different but they just go sam beckett never returned home um that didn't seem to be the thrust of that show Mm -hmm. um I, I am of two minds. You mentioned Brecht and his plays. The difference between the Brecht play and this is that a Brecht play is, you know, three hours of your time. Whereas this is the end of the Buffy verse. Um, now I know that they had maybe thought in the short term that there was going to be more Buffy verse coming. Um, and this was just going to be the end of angel story. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time it felt so mean that I had not only invested five years of of my time in this, but but or, or worth of watching. I of course didn't take five years to watch it, but I had invested you know twelve seasons in the Buffyverse, and it goes out on a question mark. It was very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, at the time, I was very very upset by it. Uh, the critics agreed with me in that half of them said it was good, and and a lot of them said it was terrible. There was just terrible terrible thing to do. Um. In years passing after that this this series finale has has been hailed as one of the greatest series finale of of all time and i agree um i don't think that if this show wrapped it up in a nice bow that we would continue to have there's a buffy convention coming here to dc or no sorry there's one sorry not uh there's sorry in england there's one um, there's uh, Buffy t-shirts. Buffy remains, you know, to this day, really important. And I think that if they had wrapped up Angel and that would have just been, okay, that's it. It's all done. I, I think it would have been like the end of Lost, a phenomenon when it happened and I, over when over think, when it was over.
1: I think that I, I see what you're going with that. The, uh, I think that undersells just how game changing Buffy was. Sure when no no that, that's not out. what i mean like, and i
0: don't i don't mean it's influence and i don't mean how important it is to people but i mean specifically mm-hmm. the hunger for more okay we got to yeah, have more that makes
1: sense we got to have more it's, okay it's, it's, that makes you know, sense
0: yo it's you know it's like you know, it's like they brought out they they brought out you know the, the the main course for you and didn't let you have it and you had to always wonder always oh what's going to and 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 so I think we're going to do one more episode on Buffy um, and Angel where we do a wrap up and we should talk about the comic books at that point. So I don't want to jump into that quite yet. Um, this end to Angel is beautiful. I am glad there isn't a different, um, a different end to the show. But
1: I think we are of like mind in that in the moment that it happened... We were both like, I mean, in the moment, I wasn't like, "Oh, I'm so pissed," but that was a really clever idea. No, I was totally like, "Fuck you guys," <laughs> um, but, it, but it was afterward, like, and to me, that's really good. Uh, that's, it's also, it took the TV show beyond just entertainment and actually gave it, you know, legitimate artistic. What? No, I, I take that back. Just because something is purely entertaining doesn't mean it doesn't have artistic value, but it it brought it to another level of artistic merit Absolutely. Um, in that it, it challenged you. It told you something you did not. It told you a truth about the world that you did not want to hear, but made you accept it. Um, And that is, that's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, and I thought they did a great job with it.
0: Angel season five. Uh, I've gotten a record as being my favorite season of television uh, ever. The weakest episodes of this season are just dumb forgettable fun. The best episodes of this season, we just said, go down as art. Um this has no bad episodes. Even the girl in question has something that is a, a big misstep that they wish we had done we wish they'd done differently, mm-hmm. but still and, has moments where we're
1: just like, oh, look, it's it's Spike and Angel on a Vespa. This is awesome
0: yeah and and there's the this is the best or at least the most solid the buffyverse ever got um it could be said that angel season two is more ambitious <coughs> although i would say the end of this season is very ambitious
1: oh it's about as ambitious as you could possibly get
0: you could say that angel season or buffy season seven uh spent an entire season rapping so i get that um I, I get all the things that, that you might say is better than this, but I th- every single one of them has problems. Um uh Buffy season three a lot of people say is the best that Buffy ever gets. Um
1: I would have I would have held up Buffy season five against Angel Season Five. Um, although Buffy season five had more holes and issues than uh, Angel Season Five did. But that's yeah. the closest I'd come.
0: Um i i think that this is for a show that had gotten so very lost um it's so found what's frustrating is that this show fell apart over contract negotiations really um, it was highly rated they uh actually had cut the budget for this season compared to the season before um uh it was uh it was not that like it was fox got into uh contract negotiations joss whedon's been on record as saying he played hardball and lost um Mm -hmm. uh it was fox who decided to stop making the show not the wb who decided to stop showing it Mm um uh and and that you know joss has come out and said that it was a mistake uh and that it should have continued um after this show, there was talk, like I said, of, of a Faith show, a Ripper show with Giles. There was, there was talk of, a, there's
1: even some some drawings, some concept drawings out there of a Buffy, like basically a return to Buffy in high school, but an animated show. Yeah.
0: Um, Which, interestingly,
1: the I saw something that uh, the cast during one of the Buffy 20-year reunions was saying. They said that's the most likely way that they would go back to it. They all were just like, oh yeah, an animated show would have been a great idea. Yeah, I'd totally do that.
0: So, um, what we got, and I guess what we'll talk about when we do our Buffy wrap up next week, um, will be, uh, we got some comics, uh, I'm not going to spoil a ton of the comics because lots of you haven't read it and I'm going to, you know, spoiler for our show. I'm going to suggest you read some of them. Um, uh, and then we'll talk about the, uh, the, the influence of Buffy on us, like personally and the influence of Buffy on the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and just sort of a wrap up of all of it. Um, Maybe we can uh, think ahead and, and rank the season. So we'll do a little homework for you and I. No, oh, we ha- you and
1: in your rankings.
0: I know. It's fun to do, it's a fun podcast thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I go around ranking. It's not like you go, well, today I've had coffee, a sandwich, a bowl of cereal, and hot and spicy cheese. its and I will rank them in this order. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Okay. laughs> True shape. No, and now but, the cereal podcast. I know. Yes. <laughs> and no, Wait, no, no, no. Not that cereal podcast. <laughs> the other cereal <laughs> <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> okay. But for this week, my name is Justin. And I'm Arthur. Pop off.
1: Popping off.
0: The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017.